All right, Goody. Lot to talk about. Crazy trades have happening. It's not even the trade the trade deadline yet. I feel like the league is more active this season than any other when it comes to trades. So let's kind of run through them and uh, and talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I certainly and I think I've d- discussed with you a little bit. You know, everybody's you know, there's a lot of talk of uh, a lot of spending going on by people in regular life going on vacations after kind of sitting out for a year. And I think we're having the same effect of this league of everybody is is just I feel like going all in. There's certain teams that I feel like haven't been in the chase before and are totally unloading to go for it. And then just on the other side of things, I think I, I know it influenced myself in the same point. It's like, you know, I miss competing. I miss doing this for a whole year. So it just kind of, it pushes all the chips in, I think is something that's driving all this. And then everybody else is kind of feeding off that from everybody else. And you compare it to last year, the short season, six weeks long, the trade deadline was like before people were even knew whether they were competing or not. And I was a seller last year and I had to like beg people to take players off my team. You know, Corbin Burns going for a six round pick. Tyler Molly is going for what it was a fifth round pick. Like these guys who would then be keepers or first round picks next year were going for like discount prices. And I feel like this season we've got the exact opposite going on where there's a lot of buyers, a lot of competition for guys. Um, some people have identified that they're out of it. And I think, the competing teams or the teams that are trying to compete are paying some premium prices this year for some of these uh, guys that went at a discount last year. Yeah, yeah, totally different dynamic. Nobody wanted to buy for such a short period of time. I, you know, and I know that's one of the reasons I paid up is because I wanted my guys. Now I wanted to, to kind of chase the buy. I, I think it is, it is just a totally different dynamic. And I think uh, it, it's interesting, even just looking at it now, I'm looking at the draft sheet and there's already one, two, three, four, five teams without first round picks. Uh, you know, the first round is going to be made by, I think, by six people, I think, by the time this is all said and done. Right. Yeah. So much different than last year. Let's uh, let's start out with the lowliest of teams, and that's Josh Perry wheeling and dealing a little bit here. Uh, started out with a trade with me uh, for Eflin and, and Miley, and then back towards Josh uh, was heading Snell and a, and a three. So we had talked about Snell a few weeks ago about, you know, how he, he might make sense to flip for a, a this year type player and for a team that's not competing like Josh to take a chance that he can fix himself and get right. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of my selling point to Josh. And I was just looking for guys that I could plug into a rotation uh, and, you know, be my seventh, eighth starters, six, sixth and seventh type starters. Uh, and I think I found that with, with Eflin and Miley. Yeah, this this trade was actually of all of the we said like a lot of people are really paying up for guys. This trade, as soon as I saw it, was one of those where I was like, oh, it just makes total sense. I thought, you know, I was going to play a name game with Snell and and guys like Miley and Eflin were going to be in that group of, you know, and, and also to the point of, you know, I thought, you know, Perry had mentioned before to me that, you know, he was shopping Eflin or Miley and I looked into and, it, you know, I always think about what I would value to bid on guys. And I just at that point, I. I didn't, you know, I, I was either interested in other things or I was waiting, but I thought that Miley and Eflin were each worth, you know, third, fourth round pick ranges. And I thought similar of Snell, I thought that was all kind of equal value. So I thought it made sense of Snell kind of subbing in as a third or fourth round pick in this deal. And then also you giving up a three and making it all make sense. When the deal first happened, I thought Snell made a lot of sense to Perry and that not only he was getting a pick in this deal, 
But rather than getting another pick, he was getting kind of a call option on Blake Snell to the end of the year. I thought it's a type of guy that made a total sense on his team to sit and hold. And I don't know if that was Perry's plan to begin with necessarily. Uh, But I thought that made a lot of sense. And all of a sudden, I think probably less than 48 hours later, he trades him to he flips him over to Ricky, uh, packages him up in Maeda for a one and a seven. Yeah, that, that was very surprising to me because, because, again, Josh's keeper set, he's got some decent hitters, but all of his pitchers are mediocre. Like, there's a few guys that you would take shots on, uh, but I felt like Snell was definitely valuable seeing what the last three months of the season would have brought. It's not like Snell was hurt. It's not like his velocity was down or any of his stuff was was bad. Uh, he just, you know, couldn't find the strike zone with his – his breaking balls and, you know, his off-speed stuff. So, and, and that's what was interesting. And it was even more interesting to me that's that, you know, and we'll get to it to Ricky's side, I think later on, maybe in the next episode or maybe tonight, but it's like, he goes, he goes to a guy that's competing who needs somebody. Now it's like Snell. I think we always talked about as like somebody who should just go and sit on somebody who's not competing team, see if he figures it out over the next, you know, 13 starts or whatever it is for the rest of the season. Cause I, you know, with pitchers, it kind of all it takes is, you know, and we've seen the re- rebound of Luis Castillo with Brendan is, you know, over a few starts, they kind of work their stuff out and they get it back together. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, their value's back. And this is, you know, somebody to keep in the next year. And I could have seen that happening with Snell and it may still happen with Snell. Uh, but I, it's just, I, but I'll credit Perry. I mean, he, he did, I feel like he got pretty good value in flipping Snell and Maeda from his perspective. And I'd be curious to ask him, and I haven't, of if he was really going to hang on to Snell and then maybe – Ricky contacted him when he got Snell or if I, I don't know, or Perry was planning on, on flipping. It's just uh, interesting aspects. Yeah. The one and the seven, I don't think either of those picks kind of translates directly into Snell or Maeda. Cause I think they're po- probably both worth something in between, but the fact that he's yeah, it was an interesting blend of the two. Pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the only other thing I wanted, uh, so I guess speed, I think was trying to trade for Eflin or he, I, he was either Miley. trying to trade for Eflin or Miley. And he had a stink about Perry. He texted Perry, had the deal negotiated. Perry said done. And then I guess in between that time happening, negotiated a trade with you. I, I don't know how this all was going about. I want to get your perspective. Like, were you talking with Perry the whole time? How did it finally go down at the end? So I was texting Josh for a month and that's a literal month. No lie. Like every week. Hey, you know, I think it makes sense for you to take Snell. I'm just looking for a, you know, a decent arm, like an Eflin type. And I, we were kind of focused on Eflin and a few other guys. Miley really wasn't on my radar, but then he had, you know, several really good starts in a row. And I started thinking that I'd much prefer Miley, but Josh had it in his head that I was getting Eflin and he started shopping Miley. Um, and then, you know, Speed came up with a fourth round pick. I, I came to Josh and I said, I want Miley instead of Snell. He said, sorry, it's a done deal already. Uh, fourth round pick. And I said, well, I'll take both then. You know, I'll take the Eflin, the original Snell for Eflin, and I'll, I'll give you a third for Miley. And so, I mean, you can't have it both ways. And I know as much shit as we give Josh, and I, I, I think he's doing an awful job uh, in many fronts, like you can't ask a guy to shop and then also, you know, bash him for taking the best deal. Like, no, no, I, I 100% agree. And, and, that, and that's where I kind of want to get us like speed was obviously all upset about it. But like, on the other hand, it's like, you know, in, in this kind of scenario, it's not like he, it, and we, we talk about this, there's always that gray area of like trade ethics and all that. And we right. talked about the me and Brendan deal in the off season. I think in the off season, when you agree on something and nobody else is bidding, like, 
it's a little bit different than this scenario. And like I said, everybody can kind of play by their own rules. You just got to know who you're dealing with or the manager. This to me isn't like the, like I always call it the duty classic of you negotiate a trade with duty, you accept it. And then when you go to do the trade, he renegotiates it afterwards or says, you don't want it. Like I had that happen recently where I was actually going to trade him Cronenworth for hater. And then he turns around and tries to give me Diaz instead. Yeah, And and we'll go and Duty likes, Duty likes the action. He likes wheeling and dealing. He likes talking. I don't get the sense that Josh is in it for that. I think yeah, Josh yeah. is and, trying to play defense and not get made fun of. And, and, and that's the thing. And back, back to your point, like, this isn't like that. It's not like he negotiated to Speed, said, hey, you need to give me a four. Speed ponies up the four. And then Perry tries to back off and, you know what I mean, tries to do something else. He got a legit offer from you at that same time. Right. It hadn't been – I mean, until you're at the altar, you know, my, yeah. my thought is in season, until you're at the altar and it's in Yahoo and all that. And that's why a lot of times when right. I'm going to give an offer to somebody – I offer it up in Yahoo first and I say, you know, here's the, I'll do the pick, but do it now. You know what I mean? Like if you would reverse the roles, if I was going to get um, Miley for a fourth round pick from Josh and speed knew that and kept saying, Oh, Josh, I'll give you a third. I'll give you a third. It's a better pick. And he still went with my deal. Josh would have gotten a wrath of shit for not taking the better pick from speed. (laughs) So like you just, you can't have it both ways. You can't say the guy and believe me, the reason I had to text him every week for a month is because he was like, oh, I got to see where my value is at. I got to talk to some other people. So Zach Eflin, I'm not sure how many people he talked to, but the man. Yeah, I know Mook was me. knocking on his door for weeks about Eflin too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And this is one thing, you know, we, we, we trashed Josh enough on this pod, you know, like you said, we got to give him credit. I think he did great in both of these deals. Um, you know, he at least got full value for these guys. He, you know, they're guys that, are, you know, you know, he's not that he shouldn't be keeping. He should be selling off. He he made sure he got the best offer. So good for him. Let's uh, let's skip me and we'll skip you and we'll keep doing non-podcast host players. Uh, okay. So let's jump down to duty here. So duty, very interesting because duty has spent the majority of the year at the bottom of the standings. You know, we talked several weeks ago about how there was like a trio of teams, the duty, Brendan, Josh, where you'd play those three you know, three consecutive weeks, and it was your opportunity to make up ground in the league. But Duty has kind of come raring back. Obviously, he had that mega week one against Pat, where they kind of set the stage where they were both pretty decent, great weeks, in fact. But Duty kind of languished at the bottom of the standings. He had like a weird team dynamic where he had a ton of elite closers, but not a good offense, not great starters. He had a few injuries that, uh, you know, people punching lockers, et cetera, that knocked out some starting pitchers. But Duty, I guess, has decided that he's a buyer. I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea, but he came swinging out of the gates, the one and a four for Hendricks' hand from uh, from Evan, who decided that he was out of it. And I think that was a pretty bold move from Duty. Yeah, that was very aggressive. Uh, you know, he had his run where I think he played Brendan and Perry, the you know the other two sides of that. Right. Uh, and he and it's funny he made all these trays right before then he had to play. Uh, me Pat and speed uh, which is a, a obviously a tough slate for him I, I think it's interesting and I you know and, and it's one of the reasons I think in all of this and I kind of group these guys while we're going to run through and kind of rather than break down the deals and to kind of group it by the manager and the, the perspective of the deals they made uh, you know he he comes out aggressive he adds another closer and I remember wondering like why does he need to add another closer he already had saves locked up like that's not going to move the needle for him uh, you know, Hendricks is a very effective pitcher. 
all that. So definitely an aggressive bid for him, for his team, but he got, you know, some good players then on the, in, in combination of that a couple weeks later. Now, I don't know if he had this plan. This is another thing that like the same thing. Okay. Like it's the same thing with parents. Like, I'd love to know, like, did you add hand knowing that like, okay, then I can ship off Hader and Diaz for some things and kind of see, cause like, I think in combination, like it, it makes sense to me, but I, I like you're saying, I, I don't know if he really planned it out that way. I think it was a little disjointed. I think, you know, he wanted pitching. He got another elite closer. Then he had basically five elite closers, which again, is kind of like putting rims on a, you know, a civic, you know, you don't, you might as well buy. I, w- I will say from the matchup that I played him, man, though, he just pummeled me to death with, uh, with relief, with elite relief pitching. I'll say oh, God, it, it, Yeah, it's brutal, but you know, he'll also only have two quality starts against you or, you yeah. know, not, not bad very well. So I don't think it was a, a full on plan. I'll say that I've tr- been trying to pry the hater Diaz combo from him for a little while now. And I think, again, he loves the action. He's been talking to you. He's been talking to a lot of people. So I think that was kind of a little bit disjointed, but it, it kind of worked out for him. I'll say, that I think the the one and a four for Hendricks and hand is probably a little bit rich, uh, but you know, this won't be the, the last. It's, it's full price. It's, yeah, it's a full price thing. I mean, like, you know, I don't think, you know, hands, hands probably around a four, you know, for, you know, he's a really good closer. He's not a, you know, yes. he's not a hater type and all of that, but it's still a single closer that you're paying a, a decent draft pick for. Hendricks is a one, like you said, probably full price as well. I, you know, it's, it's a little on the richer side, but everything seems to kind of be going on the richer side for this. And, so, and he made that trade when he was in like 10th place, which is pretty, which bold. was the bold. That was the real boldness of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and then I think on the flip side, I think what's interesting in really breaking down his hater and Diaz deal is that, you know, that's, those are two valuable guys. That's, that's, you know, two of the best closers, you know, very valuable chips to be able to move. So it's a big chip to move with your duty. And I think, I think it's interesting. And I said the same thing to Mook when he was, you know, talking about trading his closers. It's like, just cause you trade your two best closers doesn't put you out of it. Like you said, it's, oh, yeah. it's the rims on, it's the finishing touches on a, uh, on a team really, you know, it's not going to stop you from competing for the playoffs. But I know he had a lot of different options at the table. I know you threw on Rizzo for Hater. I had offered up Cronenworth at one point. Uh, you know, he ends up he ends up going with Chris Bryant. I think I, I even threw on I, I threw on at the last second for him. I think it might have been after the deal or happened or whatever. I threw out the idea of either Cattell Marte or Kyle Schwarber, like my, you know, hurt players who, you know, could be keepers on somebody else's team or whatever. And so, you know, it was a significant shift to make. I think it's interesting that he ends up picking on Bryant. What do you think about, you so, know, in terms of in what he did of him kind of picking that as Bryant? I know Bryant's kind of the name and we know, we know Michael Ainge duty likes to get the name. So he got the name. I think this is maybe a mistake. Like he went for the one premium guy. I think if he really is trying to compete, I think he should have gone for like Cronenworth for Hader and Rizzo for Diaz, like the two for one or the two for two kind of deal. I think yeah. he traded up to get the more premium name. And Brian had a really hot first two months of the season. Like he was like the 25th ranked player, some nonsense. And he's starting to come down from that. So Duty definitely needed offensive help. Um, and I'll say that. But I think that he, he traded for a guy that he's got to keep now. Uh, but he already had probably seven, eight, nine keepers that – Made, made sense. Uh, I think he might have done better getting two or three pieces offensively, or even another starter for that that pair of uh, of closers. And, and for this and for this year, you're right. It's like that that would have been more effective if he could have gotten added Rizzo and Cronenworth. And it, you know, it's wild because for, 
for months now, I've been trying to convince them. Like I offered him Brandon Crawford for like Lou Trevino, like his fifth best closer. Uh, or like Carlos Santana for Lou Trevino, like the, the single bat for your worst closer. And now he's trading some of his best closers for better bats for sure. But he could have yeah. like, he could have probably flipped those guys for other things. And I think he, he's deciding a month or two or later to kind of make that move. And I was on him earlier. Obviously, it would have worked out for me, but I was on him earlier to try to make that move to compete this year because he needed bats. Yeah. No, and, and I think the. Uh, you know, in his mind, I think he's still competing and the, and the Hendricks move says that he's going for it and all that. But then on the flip side and the Bryant side, it almost seems like he's kind of building a keeper set again, he's, he's but then on the other, he's kind of hedging. Yeah. Both ways. But then on the other side, it's like, you know, Bryant, Bryant, I think, it, you know, Housekey kind of decided he didn't want to keep him anymore. Uh, right. You know, he's, he's been kind of banged up these last few weeks. He's, he's 29 years old, still very effective, you know, still, still definitely a keepable guy. Uh, I, I just, it'll be interesting for me to see of like how all of those different options kind of shake out, you know, from here to the rest of the year into next year. Now, now duty could duty still has some, you know, powder in the keg, so to speak. Like he, he has some draft picks. He could add additional folks, but, or players, but how all in does he really want to be when he's right now, like that fringe six, seven, eight type seed. And, and it's just tough in that, you know, right now we kind of got these tiers of, you know, Pat and Speed have, have kind of separated themselves a little bit. Then there's kind of me, you, and Ricky. And then there's the next kind of drop off right now of Halski, Ben, and Duty, who are kind of fighting for that last spot. And Halski obviously just made his team a lot stronger, too, as we'll kind of get to. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, we'll, I mean, we'll see. It, it, all of a sudden, then is he going to be turning around and get rid of guys or something. I don't know. At least I guess it does kind of hedge his way in that like Brian improves his offense now and is also a good keeper for him, you know, for, for the next year. And it'll be strange to me. You mentioned kind of the tiers, obviously that third tier, only one of those guys may make the playoffs and maybe someone in our tier, you Ricky or I, we don't make the playoffs, but it seems that's what one of us falling out. Yeah. It it kind of seems like that third tier. It's one of the three who are going to get in. And when that happens, I'm wondering if that'll be um, apparent by the trade deadline, because someone's going to have a lot of assets. Like, what if Duty is out of it at the trade deadline? He just made all these trades. He's got a really good this year team. He might become a seller. And then it's which team at the top still has assets to flip to Duty or Ben or Housky. Uh, I think there's going to be a few more teams with a lot of players to sell. Uh, you know, right now the the brothers Evans uh, or the brothers Johnson have kind of ridden up the, the white flag, and there we'll talk about their trades. Uh, but you know, one by one, the teams are deciding that they're out of it, and I think there are a few more dominoes to kind of fall uh, maybe a month from now. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really interesting, and it's the dynamic of I wonder what the currency is going to be going forward. I mean, a lot of teams have already, like I said, already unloaded their first round picks. I've unloaded my first three you know, guys have just unloaded their picks. I'm interested to see what, what the supply and demand dynamics are in a month from now and, and what the currency is. Are people going to get more creative with, you know, selling off a keeper for multiple pieces or is a big prospect going to be moved or, or, or what, because there's, we're just running out of those easy. Oh yeah. I give you my one or my two and I get what I want. Deals, or, do, you know? or just do the prices drop because no one's willing to move those keepers and we get the same players, you know, a month from now for a fourth or a fifth that we would have gotten for a second or third in this crazy hot market. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting. I'm interested to see as well. Yeah. All right, so let's jump down to another, you know, seller uh, in Trevor here. So, you know, and this kind of translates into uh, talking to your trades a little bit as well. So, Trevor sells Granky and Goldie uh, for a one and a two to you. So, why don't you talk yep. talk through that? Because this is where you texted and said, "Listen, I feel like you know, COVID's over, the short baseball season's <laughs> over." Everyone's ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to money. enjoy. Yeah. Make it rain. And I want to go get my guys that I want and I'll pay what I need to, to do that. And that was my thing. I do. I mean, I knew Trevor would be stubborn on getting high prices for these guys. I didn't want to wait, you know, so I, I paid his asking price, so to speak, you know, no real kind of frills around uh, at all. Uh, you know, so I, I think from his perspective, you know, and we can kind of talk about it from my perspective, kind of, in kind of its own segment and in combination with, with my other deal. But like, I think from his perspective, you know, I, I paid him full price. I paid him what he was asking, you know, he got that. And I think, you, you know, and good for him in that regard, I, I think, you know, on the, on the flip side, it's like, so, you know, those are, that's an easy deal for him to make. These are two guys that his team had gotten old. He's not wrong side of 30. Wrong side of 30. These guys are each just, you know, they're not people guys. These guys are each, if they're going to be redrafted next year, probably not even first round picks because they don't have keeper appeal. You know, right. uh, they very much would be second or third round picks redraft next year, just in the dynamics of our league. So, you know, he he's getting great value for them from his perspective. I, I think on the other side of, you know, him flipping Justin Turner, who I think would have been a, is a very valuable chip for this year, being in a great lineup. He's been on fire, great hitter. He just, I mean, he's the reason why Trevor, who had the worst average in the league, was able to bat 300 against me last week and, and <laughs> win average against me. The, the worst average team beat the best average team last week, by the way, just to throw right. that out. Uh, mainly because Justin Turner, I think, batted like 400 last week. Uh, so he gets Thor, which I think is interesting because, you know, obviously Thor went from Trevor to Halski in whatever that was, probably five years ago. I think it's interesting that he picked Thor and kind of to move Turner for that. Uh, and then on the other side, he gets rid of Strasburg, pairs him up with Taylor, gets Karloff in a third. I, you know, I know he was kind of asking, I think those were kind of separate on their own. I know he was asking a third for Taylor, which I thought he was crazy. I didn't think anybody would pay a third round pick for Chris Taylor. Uh, now again, multiple positions, great lineup. He's having a good year. So, you know, you find somebody. So I, when I see that deal, I see Karloff for Strasburg, and then I see Taylor for a third. Uh, I I I, the, I like all those moves for Trevor. Uh, other than the Thor one, I'm I'm kind of like I don't even know where he's at in his rehab. I've just kind of forgotten about him to be honest. I, I don't know. I feel like you would know more about that. Yeah, certainly. You know, I keep tabs on all the Tommy John. Uh, yeah, guys, because yeah, I've got two of them. But Thor, especially since obviously I've taken a stand, planted a flag in my opinion of Thor. Uh, I think the first two trades the. Granky Goldie for one and two. I think that's premium. I think if anything, that's probably not a, not just full price. I think that's probably an overpay. I, I think. Oh yeah. I woke up. So we had talked, we had talked about it the day before on Sunday, I woke up Monday morning and I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to improve my team now. I just like, I hear you. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, when I, uh, when a trade happens, I notice I'm not in the group chat. So I notice first when I look at my team page uh, and I look at the players first and I try to guess the picks and I kind of settled on like a two and a four or like maybe a two and a three. So he got better than I thought. Uh, yeah. Obviously you're one of my competitors. So when I see you send a one and a two, I'm pretty happy. Like, okay, Ian's off the table for 
certain guys that I may want. Uh, I can't shop for certain other guys at that point. Right. Yeah. And so I'm happy when every, everyone else spends their picks. Uh, that's one of the reasons I try to drive the price up is if I don't get a guy, at least you're paying a high pick. Uh, so I think Trevor did a really good job there because I don't think he would would have wanted to keep either of those guys. Granke is not only the wrong side of 30, he's kind of the wrong side of 35. Um, and Goldie is all fame pitcher then. He, certainly. And, you know, I love him. I owned him uh, in his breakout season. Um, I got him to think with the 12th pick of the draft in 2009 after I won in 2008. Um, but then I think the Turner for Thor trade was just a dud. So Thor, you, you have to spend a keeper on. So, yeah, no, at this point it's, it's keeping Thor. And I, I still like, you know, I, and I, and I agree, you know, I defended uh, Housky keeping Syndergaard given, you know, his other options and all that. And, and at this point he looks really smart because I'd much rather have Justin Turner than Eric Hosmer at this point. Uh, uh, obviously that's all yeah. hindsight 2020, but I'm just, you know, I, I get the idea of him keeping Thor. However, like if I'm a team like, like Trevor, I don't know if I really love the getting Thor like what do you I don't know what you're getting because even when he was healthy he's kind of frustrating and you still don't even know if he's would, gonna would you have given a first for Justin Turner uh, assuming I didn't trade it away for Granky right. um, would you have done Granky and Turner for a first and second so I need the difference it was tough for me Goldie was first. Just perfect, I needed a first base yeah. I had you know I already yeah so that was tough to say I mean yeah if if you were to put it that way I think yeah Turner Turner's probably in it as a, just a pure hitter edge to Goldie right now. So you trade Turner for a pick first round pick. You don't have to then spend a keeper on Turner. So you get to keep another guy and then you can yeah. use that first round pick on Noah Syndergaard. Like do we think Noah Syndergaard, if he was dropped by Housky would be a top three pick. I don't think yeah, so. I, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I think, and that's the thing with him is like, it's, it's uh you know, even when, even a couple of years, you know, even before Tommy John, he was kind of this, you know, he was a very good pitcher and a very keeper right. guy, but was, had always been kind of this disappointing kind of underachiever. He was a top 20, top 25 guy that you saw the stuff. You're like, he could be a top 10 if, you know, A, B, if, and C yeah. happened. But yeah, you know, those and A, happen. B, and C has never happened. Yeah, exactly. And then he got so injured. So yeah. And I don't know. Well, we can still again talk about the three guys that got Tommy John. I, I'm not sure that. I think Chris Sale's above the other two, but I'm not sure I'd put Noah Syndergaard and, and Severino that far apart. Uh, Trevor's owned Severino before. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't necessarily get yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't love, and I don't know if maybe nobody was offering up for Turner, but I, I'd have a hard time believing so, you could have gotten to something. Oh, absolutely. Kind of valuable or interesting for Turner, you know? Uh, and yeah, I think so. It, it bails Housky out for sure. Like you said, you'd much rather have Turner now than Eric Hosmer. Uh, oh yeah, it, from Housky's perspective, it was an easy deal. Now, there's always a question. Obviously, Eric Hosmer has been a dud this season. Would you rather have three months of Turner or six months of a an actual contributor? Even if Eric Hosmer's a dud, someone has stepped down from from Turner. That's kind of where I was coming from with my argument. Is you know, Housky's a, a several games out of it right now. If he had just picked up two, three, four games over the last three months he'd be in a playoff position right now. So like, that's what I meant. He might be a fringe team. What if he misses the playoffs by three games? Yeah, but I just, I think like, you know, and I've never been a huge fan of Hosmer. So that's why I kind of, we argued this at the beginning. I think it's like, I don't know if Hosmer moves the needle enough up over 
you know, sure, right? with higher and he's been, you know he's like poor. Turner, Turner to me, the only problem with Turner is, you know, he's not, he's not an iron man. He's not playing seven days a week, you know, but on a per game basis, when he started in, he's, he's given you t- pretty top production is, you know, almost of a, not, I wouldn't say quite of an elite player because he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't run, he doesn't fill up other things, but just on a per game basis, production wise, he's, he's great. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he bats over 300 kind of makes up for the fact that yeah. he doesn't oh, run. Yeah. And, and he yeah. also is a third baseman. You don't necessarily need uh, power from, from third base. But you're right, he's not Once again, man. I'm kind of spoiled. I got a bunch of third basemen. And yeah, you've got so. your yeah, all-stars, shortstop and third baseman, uh, top 10 players. Uh, it's, a tough, it's, you know, it's tough life. Tough life. But yeah, I think Turner, you know, he's played over 130 games only three seasons, and he's like a 10-year vet. 12 year vet at this point. And it's like, and then the other thing that would have get, got me a little gun shy from bidding too much for him. And maybe this is why Trevor had to take Strasburg for him. It's like, how many games is he going to play in September? Right. You know, leading into the playoffs went now, granted the NL West is, looks like it's going to be a fight all the way to the end, but like, I don't know, just the, the Dodgers just kind of rotate guys as it is. And and you just, you wonder how much they're going to play him. And again, as a, as a competitor to Halski, which is sad to say at this point, you know, I'm looking at this. So, like, so wait, for the record, you are a com- Housky is a competitor of yours. Well, we tied this week, and Housky hasn't beat me since the Obama administration. A lot of things have happened in the five years since Housky last beat me. I met my wife. I got married. I had two kids, three presidents. You know, I could go on again, but Housky is not one pandemic. A while. One pandemic. Yeah, we're in and out. It might be COVID 22 by the time uh, Housky beats me. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah. All right. I just I just had to catch you. I just had to catch you for saying that. Don't edit that out. My my uh my hope is that Justin Turner gets hurt because Housky got bailed out here. Uh so we'll no, see yeah, yeah. like out. we said, great great move for Housky. And and hey, you wanna know what? Uh you know, obviously Trevor has just he probably just likes Thor, and that's probably why he makes a deal like this. You know, right. he had him before. Uh, you know, it's it's that kind of thing. Like, you know, we all have our guys that we like, obviously. It's what, then- you know. This other deal is really interesting. The Kirilov and a three for Strasburg and Taylor, because the, like I, you said, maybe it was a three for Taylor and a Strasburg for Kirilov, but like, that's how I see it. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. I, I think in, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. It, and like I said, yeah, I, I think that's the way it strikes off. Uh, I'm surprised. I don't know if Ricky didn't necessarily value Kirilov enough. And I actually checked in on him probably about a month ago. Uh, for Karoloff and Karoloff's numbers weren't as all that great. I've always liked Karoloff. Uh, he sounded like he was willing to hold him, but you know, uh, so I, I think it's interesting that he paid up for Strasburg as a Nats fan. I'm really hoping that Strasburg gets healthy and gets back again, but we've just seen so many setbacks this year with all of that, with him going back all the way to last year when he didn't really pitch much. And you just, I, I don't know. It's interesting that he was paid, you know, pretty, pretty full price I'd say uh for so many question marks then again I know Trevor wasn't just going to give him away so you're going to have to give up something uh maybe it's the way Ricky was counting his keepers and he knew he couldn't keep Kirilov I don't know if do you think he sees Strasburg as a potential keeper or it or it's, it kind of looks a lot like it's funny he made the same bet it seems like three times now between Maeda Snell and Strasburg and guys that are having bad years but he's just trying to bet on I guess the name and the arm talent I guess and That's hoping it point. works out and, yeah. and Kirilov's another one of those guys that, like, this year, he's okay. He's mediocre. Yeah. But, like, two years from now, he might be a top 25 hitter. Like, that's yeah. just the way it Very happens. Yeah. This, looked, this trade looked to me more like a 
dynasty type trade compared to like an eight keeper type trade. Because, you know, you're on Twitter, you're talking to all, you know, these dynasty guys and people are always asking like, who do you prefer Lance Lynn or Jared Kelnick or whatever. And it's like, in our league, you prefer Lance Lynn because he's going to help you win today. And Kelnick might be two or three years, but like in the dynasty world, like the top prospects are worth a lot more. So I feel like Trevor, you know, gave up Strasburg, who's the name. I know he's got, he's injured, but like for that Kirilov and, and Ricky kind of traded off one of his young guys. They, maybe he did the, the math, like you said, on his keepers, he wasn't going to be able to keep and he got more this year help. So that, that's kind of amazing to me in like an eight keeper league. Cause now Trevor's going to keep Kirilov, right? And oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, teams, yeah. Kirilov wouldn't be a keeper, not because he's not a talented guy, but like he's like Jesse Winker. Like, you know, he can hit, but you can't necessarily keep that for most of the Until he does that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the distinction. Like, it's like between our league and a dynasty league. Because in a dynasty league, when you're keeping everybody, it's easy just to hold on to the most talented guys on the back yeah. of your roster. We're, you know, with our eight setup, we're forced to make decisions. And, and if you're going to have a young player, you really have to invest in them. And, and, for Trevor, it's easy for him to hold on to Karoloff and bring him into next year. He probably doesn't have much better options, especially as he's going to sell off all of his other keepers like Granky and Goldie and, you oh. know, and other guys for, for picks. So it's like, it's easy to be like, okay, I know I'm going to own Karoloff and see what he does next year and see if he becomes that guy. And you're right. And we talked about it at the start of the season, you know, Trevor's team is old and it's bad. So Karoloff is an easy keeper for him. Uh, but you know, at, at best right now, he's a lottery ticket. He might not do well next year. It might be, again, two, three years before he does well, or some prospects never, never do well. But, you know, Trevor's kind of planting his flag and saying, this is a young guy that I want. Uh, and it, it and it's not like he's totally, and to be fair, it's not like he's totally struggling. I mean, he doesn't look lost. He's just not, I mean, he's got a, he's got a 106 weighted runs created. Plus he's, you know, he's hit eight home runs. He's not, he's not tearing it up. I mean, but, you know, for somebody who's, you know, tw- uh, you know, 23 years old or whatever, you know, you just, you hope he would then within the next year, sometime next year, show you that takes that next step. Because I mean, I know when I was interested in him and I almost drafted in the rookie round, it's like, you know, you're hoping for a guy who, you know, hits 300 and, and, and hits with power too. Oh yeah. And I, I was very interested in him that year when, when uh, Ricky took him and you're right. Uh, he's a guy with like a 60 or 70 hit tool and that plays up, you know, eventually. Um, it's just, you know, I think this is a, it's an interesting trade. The three for Taylor was interesting. He's kind of a one-year guy, at least in my opinion, and he kind of cashed out. But uh, yeah, Trevor's, Trevor's keeper set is not looking so hot right now. Uh, but we'll see what he does. It's probably not the last movie. What else? Yeah, what else do you think? I mean, remember he's gotten, obviously he has double first and second round picks. He's got, he's got double picks in the first, second and third round now. Uh, so he's really cleared some moves. I mean, I, I mean, I'd say the next guys, I guess he could set what's left to sell off is, you know, I don't know. Does he move on from a Brayu? No, uh, no, I think, I think, no, I think he's keeping a Brayu, uh, Loriano, Kirilov, Bregman, that's four on the offense. Yeah, he's got Bregman still, obviously. Carrasco, uh, Syndergaard, Wheeler is three on pitching. So then you're just picking one more name and everybody well, else the big, the big variable for him will be uh, Joe Adele, if he comes up, Sorry, already wait. having already has 124 at-bats. Oh, yeah. So All right, so he's got 131 plate appearances already. So 
you know, if he's called up anytime in the next month or so, then all of a sudden you have to keep him. So you have to leave that door open. So, you know, Upton's going to be available. Mark Kana, Adam Duvall, uh, who bats 200. You should be able to get something for Kana. So I was interested in, I originally was, you know, if Kana wasn't hurt, I was interested in him because he plays first base. Ended up kind of Goldschmidt was the easy fill-in. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, the the, the cupboard's kind of, kind of cleared here so to speak but he has like i said extra picks first second third round um and then i guess he'll just go very young and unproven on his keeper set so he'll have a full draft but he's not really going to have any rocks in his team of a keeper set because even guys you know like we're saying like Karloff's unproven um obviously i guess i guess you'd have like a brayu and wheeler is really the only two guys that you'd really say oh yeah i know i can rely on them to be productive and wheeler took that step from like top 15 to 20 pitcher to top 10 this year so like that's that's excellent for Trevor. Abreu won the MVP last year. Like you're gonna count. I, on I still though with Wheeler. So I I owned Wheeler two years ago, and I remember his last twenty start stretch. He did this type of stuff, and I was really excited about him becoming that. And then, and then in the next year he kind of went back. So I, and then I know like his last start against me, like he kind of got hit around a lot too, and he probably he actually should have given up more than what the runs say because he had some some errors that covered his ass. But like he he does he can either be just dominant or, or I feel like, but there's a lot of points. It's like, he, we haven't seen it for him be top 10 for a season. Yeah. We've seen it in these stretches. I just, um, yeah, very good pitcher though. No, you know, no matter what, no matter what top 20 guy, very much a very, you know, somebody who very good guy for Trevor to keep it. And that's so back to the original point of like, really the only two guys you feel like you can rely on going into this set knowing full well is uh is wheeler and abreu and 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 bregman obviously yeah Yeah. so i think ideal for trevor is adele doesn't get the plate appearances and he goes into he rides into next year with adele and torkelson you know possibly coming up in 2022 and a ton of draft capital uh and then he can figure out who his long-term keepers are at that point and the other thing that will play into it is he'll likely be sitting with a number one waiver assuming that ricky and perry take two guys uh you know potentially that's a that's a whole other podcast uh, yeah 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 this is a trade podcast only so we're talking about people's trades so we'll stay off that uh so that's that wraps up trevor uh i know you're going to talk to housey about some of these guys should we just keep on keeping on uh so i do you want to talk about uh, our two perspectives from this because i feel like we kind of glossed over that a little bit sure so i'll briefly revisit miley and snell uh the my efflin miley snell trade like I just needed to cut bait on Snell, get anything from it for him, yeah. like a, a warm body. I think I did pretty well. Like Eflin, I would have taken that straight up. My, I feel like I paid basically a, a third round pick for Miley. I think I got caught up in kind of the heat of the moment, uh, competition with speed. Certainly not upset to pay a third for Miley, who's been, you know, quite excellent over the last, you know, month or two. Uh, but that that gives me a lot of good arms as the rest of my arms are either recovering from known Tommy John or just dropping like flies, the Kershaw's, the Gombers, the Urquidy's, you know, so this just keeps my rotation, uh, you know, healthy and, and pitching good guys and not having a stream. And the last you never have enough starters. This year yeah. is, is you don't know who's going to make it to the end. That's a, that's another important point uh, we can bring up as well. And then uh, Hendricks, Presley and uh, Renfro for a one and a two. And I've been talking to Mook for a while about, you know, his team. And I said, when the time comes to sell, I'm ready to, you know, jump in and be aggressive for these guys. Uh, my so I, I was surprised you were willing to be that aggressive for those guys. I know Pat was bidding for them as well. 
uh, you know, Mook was kind of talking to us during this. And once he said you offered up a one and two, I just, you know, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, what more do you, what more can you get for those guys? You know? Exactly. exactly. Uh, so yeah, to kind of shut the door uh, on that, you know, I had been talking to duty about, you know, Hader and Diaz and it was going to be me giving up, you know, players and possibly like young keepers that I didn't want to give up. Um, and even still, I'm not sure duty was ever going to trade with me. I think it was for him. Again, it's more about the action. Uh, he, he loves the action. A bunch of people on the phone and seeing what he can do. Uh, so, you know, this is just, Mook was just too easy. Uh, you know, it might've been a little bit of an overpay. Obviously Hendricks and Presley are like top five closers. Hendricks is arguably one or two uh, with Hater. Yeah. It's Hendricks Hater. and Hater are the two best. And then yeah. obviously Diaz and Diaz and, um, and Presley, I feel like are on similar planes as well. Right. Uh, so, you know, it was actually kind of big for me to get Renfro as a throw-in because Alfield, you know, you and I have discussed, has been kind of a wasteland this year, especially with Trout out. I've been just rotating guys and trying to get good at-bats. So uh, I like that as a little bit of a, uh, you know, sweetener. But no, oh, yeah, it's a nice kicker to have in. It was, do I make this deal now or do I wait for Ben, Duty, or Halski to drop out of it and try to, you know, garbage dive for the few closers that they have? And at that point, I still would have probably faced some competition uh, between other teams. I still would have had my first and second, so I could have outbid anybody, but it would have been a month later. Uh, and then I would not have gotten the quality of Hendricks and Presley. So I kind of shot my shot uh, with the first and the second and the third for Miley. So the top of my draft is is gone, but I feel- Hey, you and me both. I feel really good about my pitching right now. Uh, I've got- um, Soto and uh, Jake McGee as like McGee has been pretty good. So I've got like three and a half closers. I can probably add another one. Uh, Severino and Sale coming back. Even if I get only good innings from one of them, I'm going to feel pretty good uh, about. Yeah, I think at this point, like I would bet on Sale. I think at some point contributing Severino. I just I have no idea, but you're right. It'll be one of them. Uh, And and yeah, it's the obviously Kershaw going down is bad for you, but you know, it's, it's always really nice to subsidize pitching with, with that elite relief pitching going in. And my hope is Kershaw is doing like the Dodgeritis, like we're going to sit him for three weeks and get him a breather type thing. It's probably not a hundred percent that, but I wouldn't mind if it is. Cause like you said, guys are going to face innings limits this year, not necessarily Kershaw, but some of the other guys we'll talk about on here uh, definitely will, uh, or I believe they will. And it really kind of changes the, the draft value. If you think about it from that aspect. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. Anything, any more comments on my two trades? Uh, no, really just, I mean, it, it, they made sense. I thought your first deal made total sense. I wasn't surprised by that. It exactly hit. I was surprised that you outbid Pat for, for the closers, but I mean, I get it in the context of things. I mean, we all kind of paid up to get what we felt our teams needed, you know? And I, I played quite a bit of defense against both you and Pat with regards to duty as well. Um, you know, and I, I'll say that I try to give duty. I, w- I always wonder with you when you're playing defense, are you actually making offers or are you just like offers that you intend to execute or are you just throwing out offers? Uh, I would say in 90% of cases, it's uh, maybe lower. Maybe it's 70% of cases, it's trades that I'm ready to execute. And sometimes it's a trade I'm not interested in, but I'm, I almost like become coach Jamie, like duty, you could probably ask for a six round pick and he'll say yes. And like, I'm happy to squeeze an extra six round pick out from Pat or you to duty who I don't care about how many picks duty has most years. 
because uh, it weakens you guys, it strengthens duty, and you know that helps me. So I'd certainly do it for Matt. Gotcha. All right. This is you know, I've got a huge ego, so I love when people ask for my opinions on deals, and duty does for and, a fair bit. Dude, dude, it's funny. That's the other one note I know we were talking about duty. It's funny, like you know, when you're negotiating with them, it's like, oh, hang on, I got to look at the dynasty rankings from from these different publications first before I can, you know, or or like, or actually, one point when I. I so I debated about the hater Cronenworth deal and I finally was like, okay, fine. Like, and this is before what changes the dynamic. This is this is before Cattell got hurt. So I thought I could afford getting rid of Cronenworth. Right. And I knew I was going to be getting Goldschmidt. So I was like, okay, fine. So I finally get, you know, I talked myself into the deal after a couple of days. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do it. And he goes, No, I'm sorry. I was told I'm not allowed to trade hater. <laughs> I'm like, who, who's running your team, duty? So I'll say that the dynasty rankings uh, that came straight from me because I had Rizzo and it was kind of you with Cronenworth versus me and Rizzo. And we, the reason that duty and I never, uh, you know, did that trade is because he wanted other things. And that's kind of where I drew the line, but I was like, how do I shut down this Cronenworth nonsense? So I just pulled up the ESPN fan, you know, dynasty ranker. And I was like, Here's which, which probably haven't been updated since April. No, it's, it's updated, but Jake Cronenworth's like two thirty or whatever. And you know, Rizzo's you know, one ten or whatever. Obviously Rizzo's. All right. So season, uh, can, we, can we, for a minute, I need to defend Jake Cronenworth's honor here. All right. Cause you're hating on him. The guy is Jake Cronenworth ranked 84th right now. He's 26 years old. He's, he's, he's locked into batting between Tatis and Machado. Like that's not changing anywhere. Like, he he might just keep getting better too. Like he's only he's only batting two seventy six right now. I could see him batting three hundred. And at first he was like, Goody offered me Jake Cronenworth, and I'm like, whatever. Like Jake Cronenworth, because I had drafted him in one of my one year leagues because I followed you. I was like, okay, Duty watches a lot of Padres games. And then I pulled up your team and I was like, let's see what Cronenworth's doing. And Cronenworth was like the twelfth ranked player of the last month, and he like catapulted to the uh, the top of the standings. So at that point I was like. Oh shit. Duty's just going to look at these stats. I got to come up with some other piece of information that convinces him that it's disinformation. It's not disinformation. It's a, you could say it's not applicable. Uh, but you know, I don't think, I don't think Colonel worth was a straight up for hater would have been uh, fair. I don't think Rizzo straight up for hater at this point would have necessarily been fair. He wanted Miley who I just traded for and he was going to offer me like Lou Trevino or something. So at that point, I was like unsure, uncertain whether I wanted to part with Miley, especially for that low quality part-time, possibly closer in Trevino. That's what shut down our deal. But I needed to play defense against you. And then eventually I needed to play defense against this patent uh, Mook three-way trade. Were you looped in on that? So I heard that it was like Buxton was going to float around oh with Nelson God. Cruz. And then, and then, yeah, I heard that duty backed out at the last minute. And, and this was one where, like, I probably wasn't going to be able to compete compete with what duty was getting, but I was going to try to bleed Pat for everything that I could. So, like, um, I was like, duty, Pat would probably give you this, or like, and he kept trying to push. And I'm not sure why he backed out, but if if he had done that deal, what was duty supposed to get in the deal? Duty was going to get Mancini at one point. Okay. Uh, and I was like, you know, Mancini's okay, but he's not that much better than like, he's not. Hater and Diaz level like uh, hitter. I think Mancini's like the type of guy that's a first round pick for exactly. the next couple of right, years. Right, right, right. So yeah, I, was like, like, I was like, you want more than Mancini. And then it was about like trying to piece together stuff. But yeah, it was Buxton in a second to Pat or to Mook. Pat was going to get the world. He was going to get Nelson Cruz. He was going to get 
the two closers, Hader and Diaz, like that would have set Pat oh, up wow. real good. Uh, so at that, at that point, I either needed to bleed Pat dry or stop it. And I'm not sure why Judy didn't make that trade. Uh, but then uh, Housky came to him with Brian and I was like, I can't offer a better player than Brian. Uh, I may be, able, may be able to argue that you should get more than Brian to compete this year, like we just talked about, but I just said, duty, I guess you're going to have to do that. So at that point, I was spent defending against uh, <laughs> different trades. So I last second, and I didn't offer this until after the deal happened, and I wasn't even – I don't even know if I was prepared to do it yet, but an interesting scenario, obviously him being hurt. Do you, do you think in our league, dynasty-wise or keeper league-wise or whatever, who's the more valuable player right now, Cattell Marte or Chris Bryant? So I, when, when he said duty or goody is going to offer me Schwarber, uh, Marte or Cronenworth, I, I basically said, listen, Marte is probably the best player out of Rizzo, you know, Cronenworth, uh, Schwarber, obviously, but he's hurt. Um, so yeah. are, you, are you giving up on the season here and getting the keeper like the Marte? I think he has the most, he has the most post 2021 value. Right. And my, my, Thing to him is like why don't you get a guy who's playing right now and can hedge towards possible keeper and i think that's what chris bryant ultimately did. yeah brian i agree brian made the most sense in between all that but maybe, maybe he should have gotten like a six round pick also or something I, I don't know like we can argue about what little bit he should have gotten but yeah. yeah the deal's the deal i just want to throw this out for anybody listening i i don't know you know i'm obviously out of picks i got Schwarber and Marte sitting there <laughs> i you know i i likely would would hold on to keep Marte, but i could be i you know, I could be convinced. I don't know how those hamstrings are going to hold up the rest of the year. I think Marte is probably the best eighth keeper for like Trevor right now. If you want to flip him for Carrasco or what, you know. And honestly, if he would have, you know, if he would have said Justin Turner form, I mean, I, I would have probably found a way to make that fit on my team. Would you have, uh, yeah, would you have, I was going to say, probably not a two for one Schwarber. Like he probably wouldn't keep Schwarber either. But like, would you yeah, also. I, and that's the other thing. I don't know. Like is Schwarber keeper right now? I don't know. I don't think so i mean he's got the hottest month ever but like outside of that is he just batting the thing, 240 the thing i'm gonna say though is mook texted in the middle of this whole hot thing he's like man this is what i always like this is what i always saw when of i course. when i traded for schwarber right. it was the like the mook's eyes were there he was like this is exactly what i envisioned right but mook's also a smell believer too i don't know like yeah no, he's not perfect, but you know how we love the Mook, I think, like, scout I think Mook, size. I think Mook appreciates great baseball more than most of us do because he can recognize it. So, like, he knows when a guy's, like, absolutely locked in. And I think that's what he was recognizing in Schwarber. Uh, and in oh, Snell's we all we, we all have we all had to appreciate the Schwarber. Oh, I, was te- I was texting you. You know, I was a little bit jealous. I was a little bit happy for <laughs> Schwarber. I was, you know, I was telling myself he can't hit 15 home runs a month for the rest of the season, Jamie. It's going to be okay. The same thing I did when uh, um, Chris Davis and, and Cargo were hitting 15 home runs a month for you a few oh, years God. back. That was a fun month, man. That, that was the year you traded Cargo to Evan, and then he went hot, and you traded back for Cargo. And, he, and oh then I God. also I got I got Chris Davis for Brendan Rodgers that year. Oh, my God. All right, yeah. let's move on to more, uh, <laughs> more trades. More current here. stuff. Uh, so, uh, all right. So I'll go over, we can go over mine quickly from my perspective, right. I guess. So, uh, basically, like I said, I woke up that Monday. I, I knew all the time I wanted Goldschmidt. He just fit too much of my team. Him coming back to my team made sense, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like and he, he fit perfectly my team. I had struggled with RBIs and all that. He just, and 
for whatever he is, he's not been doing as well this year, but I liked all the underlying numbers from him. Everything looked, you know, same old Goldschmidt and he's been hitting well since I've had him, you know, he he's been producing the counting stats, which I, I needed, uh, you know, I had a lot more guys that scored runs versus RBIs. So he really made a lot of sense. So I knew I wanted him. So then it came down to all day of, I had been talking with Evan for the last few days about the potential of bringing back Chris Paddock. And so I spent all day debating. The only thing that held the deal up was I was debating between Granky or Paddock, Granky or Paddock. And like, and it came down to really just in this whole year and everything, you know, and the spider tack nonsense and, and the weird, you know, some pitchers, you know, most, or well, not some pitchers, all pitchers only pitched, you know, 10 or 12 starts last year. And then we're going to the long thing. It came down to, all right, Granky's a hall of fame pitcher. You know, I know he's good. He'll be, I know he'll be, you know, he'll be throwing for me in September was my thought. Like I can rely on that, you know? And, uh, and then the other thing is just, you know, like I've said before with Bumgarner, I always say the last of the Mohicans, I said it with like Lance Lynn is like, Granky's a guy who can regularly throw into the seventh or eighth inning even, and kind of win you, win you those weeks that way. So that's where I finally landed on Granky. I thought in replacing glass now, I couldn't replace everything, but with Granky, I could replace his, his quality starts, um, his innings and right. not quite the strikeouts, obviously. So I make the decision on Granky. So as soon as I make the deal for Granky, Evan says, so you're out on Paddock. And I just said, I had the, the buyer's moment. Where I'm just like, you want to, let's bring the whole damn gang back together. And like, <laughs> I was like, I'll g- give me the three. I was competing with Housky for him. I offered up the three to get him. Uh, yeah, I, I think, and I thought with Paddock, the upside of him is I think there's still potentially, not that I'm planning on keeping him, but you know, in the event that glass now needs Tommy John or whatever, like there's keeper upside to paddock the way he's the last month or so has developed his curveball. He's still kind of, I, I think he's kind of lost his change up a little bit from doing so much on that, but it seems like, you know, okay, maybe over the next, you know, couple of months, he puts it all together uh, and, and gets it together and, and is kind of a more interesting upside. Is, is he going to be so, on an innings limit, limit at all? Paddock? I don't know. And that's why I picked Granky over him in the whole scheme of things. And then I just decided, I was like, you want to, I want to, I want to ride this all out. So, so many thoughts on these trades. One, does it feel bad paying a third round pick for the corpse of Patrick Corbin? Because that's ultimately uh, how this worked out. So I got a, I got a nine and a 10 back in each. Oh, okay. That, that yeah. And by the way, Corbin, Corbin is still like, as much as the overall numbers are bad, like, he hasn't had a true blow up start. He's given me innings. He's um, and I th- I see continued improvement. I'm I'm still I still I'm holding on to Corbin. I love Corbin. He's a good red blooded American too. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, I, you've sent me the the tweets. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cor- Corbin's like bottom nine xFIP. Like he, it's not great. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you said you could replace the innings and quality starts uh, of Glass now with Granky, which is certainly true. But like. Granky and Corbin are both seven K per nine type guys. Uh, yeah, no, the strikeouts take a hit. Definitely. Like I, I compare Granky to almost Wade Miley at this point. And by the uh, way, and that's another reason why I was negotiating this. I was going to trade Cronenworth for Hader as well in the middle of all of this. I was hoping to try and boost some strikeouts on the back end there. But, yeah. You know, I no, that's no. And that's the thing that sucks, but I just kind of have to, you know, my team was the K Kings with uh, when I had glass now and Freddie Peralta and, right. and that, but you know, without glass now, then you just kind of got to accept that, you know, I'm kind of, I'm trying to approach the point of going with kind of the innings or quality starts aspect of things. And, and I, I like those guys. Usually I like quality starts. I like whip. Yeah. Uh, and I like innings pitched. 
Uh, and, and say what you want. So, you know, and look, I get a lot of people probably would have dumped Corbin by now, but I watch him pitch and it's like, he's efficient. And even when, even when he's not his best, he can go six innings and give you the shot of the quality start. The waiver wires kind of trash right now. Like offensively, trash, the, waiver, yeah. the waiver wires trash. And then pitching wise, like it, there's not a lot out there. I saw that you dropped Brubaker. You, you're done I did Baker. finally. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Brubaker. He's still got, but he is, he's a fringy guy. And yeah. uh I just, you know, um, it was, that was kind of more a product of Patrick Sandoval looked a little better. So he kind of became more interesting. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's the last of Brubaker on my team. But these guys like Eflin and Miley and like, and Granky, they just have value because they're just going to pitch. They're going to get innings. They're going to get quality starts and like taking a chance on a free agent is just not worth it most of the time. And, and exactly. You deal with a blow up of it all. And uh, I also too, like I, you know, Granky, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to be as this bad on a strikeout basis going forward. Um, you know, he's definitely taking a dip this year, but I don't, you know, the breaking stuff is all still there for him. And he's just kind of one of those guys. I think he's just crafty enough. I think to keep doing it. the guy's a hall of fame pitcher. All right. Like, right. you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I really, I really like Granky. I've watched him pitch a lot. So that was another, I mean, there was definitely some of that. And is that all of these three guys I really like watch playing too right. uh, on my team. I've had them on my team before. I like them. Uh, and, and, you know, I wanted to stack as much pitching as I could. I don't know who is going to be there at the end. You know, I still have, I'm still holding on to bum Gardner to see if he comes back gallon, even before this, I knew he had ham, you know, before he had a hamstring injury right after I made this trade that put him back on the DL I, until I see full strength gallon. I don't know what I'm getting from him. Uh, there's just so many question marks. So that was the other thing was I was like, am I going to have too many starters and all this? But it's like, oh, I'll figure that out later. And that was why I just kind of pushed ahead and got Paddock as well. Yeah. So I'll say it means nothing because it's just one person's opinion. Uh, but of all the trades, like all the trades managers made, my like fear factor is very low on the trades that you made. Like the trades that Housky made have me like shook a little bit because he, I feel like he gave some, got some awesome value. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like some of the ones that you made don't concern me as much uh some of the ones speed even made don't concern me all that much like he those of your teams obviously got better but you both paid like full price or more in some cases yeah speed already made his big move to get to oscar earlier right. uh you know the thing that the thing that should concern you though is that you know i i obviously i think my my offense is has really taken another step in the last few weeks. And that's what kind of gave me the conviction to go with this. Like at this point, you know, going into the year, it was always like, is Devers, Bichette and Alvarez going to graduate to those elite players. And I think, I think we're seeing that happen. And oh, yeah. so it's like, where it's like, okay, I can just let those three guys run and, and run, you know what I mean? And, and carry the weight. So it's like, okay, I got to make sure I take care of it on the pitching side. So that was where I think I, and that's the thing, like without glass now and with gallon, not being hundred percent, like I don't have a total top flight pitcher, but my whole idea was I want to stack as many guys as I can that I think can get quality starts and innings and, and kind of supplement that side of things and then let my offense carry the weight. Yeah. I'm definitely not saying that your team's not good. I guess I was just saying like, if I see someone trade a first, second and third, the return that you got, like is, is fair, is fair value. Like I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, I, I just I I felt I felt that was a better route than trying to go after like the closer routes for me. Uh, anyway. You know, I don't know if it would have moved. The, I don't know if those would have moved the needle. I mean, the the big thing is like, yeah, ideally you want to have the top closer. I guess you'd say if you're 
you know, for going into a, a playoff week, maybe or something like that. My thought was the shot at the bye. Now, unfortunately, I dropped some points against Trevor and and Pat and Speed kind of look like they're going to run away with it unless I beat Pat. Now I have a nice matchup coming up with Pat uh, in a long week, so we'll see. There's a lot um, of weeks left. Yeah, no, you're right. There's a lot to go. Uh, I just I, eight I'm, weeks. I was, eight weeks. Eight weeks to go. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I like I said, I paid up to get my guys, but I I believe they're the best combination of kind of helping my team now and i think i think at least having the option to see if this evolution of paddock to the end of the year is interesting given my glass now injury too and everything else so uh i like i said i know i know i kind of paid up but i liked they were the right guys i thought for my team and i'm gonna let let them run with it yeah and at the end of the day fantasy baseball is about differing opinions and doing what you want and you did what you want and you you know we all did what we wanted and, and took our shots and we'll see how it plays out Cause I'll say on the same side, like I, like I said, I was surprised you paid up for the, the two, two closers. closers. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of adding uh, a big bat or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the other thing is like, you always want to read these things. It's like, okay, what else, what else was there out there? What was the other thing I could have done? It's like, I don't know. Hindsight. Do I pay the one up for, you know, I don't know. Do I pay the one up for Teoscar Hernandez back when I was competing in that? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Well, it's just, like it's, I said, I think the next dominoes to fall are when duty Ben or Housky decides they're out of it and they have a team with like 12 keepable players. And then Ben is suddenly shopping. Ben's outfield is like crazy. Like he's suddenly shopping George Springer or he's who is shopping Trent Grisham. Like that's the level of player that like could be available because he just has so many keeper level guys. So, but we won't know yeah, that yeah. for several weeks. And, and exactly. Yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. how things are going to fall in that. Not only do you have the eight weeks of competition, but who else is going to get hurt over the next couple of weeks? You know, right. for me, it's big question marks of, you know, is, is Gallon going to be back? Is, is Cattell Marte going to come back? Is Schwarber going to come back? You know, these are all very unanswered questions for you. It's, you know, Sale or Severino or Kershaw or, you know, right. it's, there's so many variables that are going to change. And it's interesting that all of these teams already now have gone in this all in. I feel like when I made my moves, I'm like, okay, I'm set. That's it. Like, you know, I might make another move at the, at the if I'm going to make a move, it's going to be very end of the deadline to move some maybe keepable guys around or, or maybe move one of my prospects or something. But, uh, but yeah, it's interesting that everybody went kind of all in here before the all-star break. And we have so much time between now and the deadline. I think it's a wonderful evolution of the league to make trades earlier to, you know, say, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to fix my team because in many past years, Trades didn't really happen like this bevy of trades we just had, even just today or in the past few weeks, would not happen until the trade deadline. And even then, there would be fewer trades then than there were over the last two or three weeks. So managers are being active. They're trying to fix holes. They're trading players for players instead of just for picks. Uh, guys like Duty. I do. I do like that evolution. I, as I've said for a while of like, you know, like as much as like I said, I, I didn't really get it as much from Trevor's perspective, but the Turner for Thor deal is just interesting. Kirilov for Strasburg basically is interesting. Yeah. You know, and when you're kind of swapping out different things. Duty and Housky saying, no, we're competing. We're I'm in 11th place right now, but I'm competing and I'm going to make trades yeah. to compete. Like that's what you want out of a league. You don't want seven teams to decide they're out of it in June. And that's boring. Like this is. Yeah. Much yeah, more I fun. yeah. No, this, this year is very interesting. Uh, there's, and like I said, we got a lot, a lot of ways to go and I like everybody being aggressive. We weren't even able to really cover all of the trades in this pod. Hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to cover up everything else. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not sure what your schedule is. I can go a little bit longer. If you do want to, if you do want to, I was going to do... break it up a little. So my only worry is that Housky is going to get to talk about his own trades. 
Um, all right, you want to you get your you want to get your words in on how? All right, we'll do a quick breakdown of Housky. So, so uh, but I'll let I'll let him have his rebuttal on his segment tomorrow. Oh, boy, uh, I mean, I think we <laughs> talked about the Bryant for Hader Diaz. Uh, I think Housky sold high on Bryant, if that makes sense. He obviously had like a first two months of just really high performance, uh, and he got two excellent top five closers. Turner for Thor we've talked about like that's just an awesome top 50 that's player. a win that's just a win for him like I said John the Dale only concern out. is the only concern is the injury maybe or the limited use maybe in September but you know when you plug Turner in the lineup you know you got to win you know and then uh, you know Stroman for a five I think is a get if we're talking about like I would take Stroman over um, Granky and Poss- and probably Miley as well and I think yeah, hindsight, hindsight being 2020, it's like, yeah, I'd rather pay a five for Stroman than a one. And for I've been talking but... to Mook for a while about Stroman. And there's not a lot of shopping that's happening in some of these deals. Uh, and I'm not sure if you're getting calls or texts from folks. He but... asked me about Stroman, but at that point, I mean, I'd already kind of, I'd already placed my bets and spent my load, so to speak. And then, then Lopez for one, I think is kind of market price. Uh, the only thing about Lopez is I think many of the Miami pitchers, especially with Miami not competing, are going to be on innings limits. So it's just, do they shut them down for September or do they, you know, skip a start two or three times throughout the year? Uh, you know, that's really going to matter because if he doesn't have Lopez for the playoffs, that's a big blow to Halski. Yeah, and I think, I would think he makes that deal thinking he's going to keep Lopez. I know he's always been a fan of Lopez. Really? So I feel like Housky has all this keeper set, and that's the reason that he traded Bryant. Um, I, yeah, you're right. I think that's kind of why he cleared him out, but I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd say, what, Albies, Bogarts. Vaughn. Vaughn. Soto. Franmil. And then Franmil. Yeah, he's got Franmil, Reynolds. Uh, then he's on the other side, he's got Burns. Um, Giolito Nola. Like, that's it. Giolito like, Nola, yeah. So, I mean, it's. I mean, I think it leaves it to an interesting, I think it's an interesting option. I think if you were to compare Lopez to like at the end of the year, you could compare him to Giolito at the end of the year and say, I'm keeping Lopez. I don't know. Wow. That's it. Uh, Yeah, possibly. I I think, I mean, there's a lot of changes in the next, we got, you know, we got, we got a lot of starts to go. There's a lot of variable. And this is the other thing that like, I always think about, I've, I've kind of articulated this before, but like the beauty of a buying is that you end up, you end up, hanging on to better keepers than you would think like you sometimes will buy a guy that you don't know you're going to keep and then another two months goes by and you realize oh yeah like whereas i hated it being on the other selling side of things sometimes like last year when i had to kind of force sell like that's how i end up coughing up woodruff because i didn't have i didn't get to see through starts or anything you know what i mean on him it was just kind of like let me get rid of things while i can get rid of them and count my guys quickly and it's like by buying like i don't even know if really speed intended on keeping him but all of a sudden you know you hold on to him and then you watch him for a month and it goes you get longer you get more time of data of seeing these guys when you're competing that it's like oh wait yeah i need to keep this guy yeah i own corbin burns for 10 days and then i I exactly yeah thinking i was just picking up free agents and flipping them uh and 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 housekey was not planning on keeping burns but he was going to keep what's his name from the mariners kyle lewis and it's like you (laughs) hold him and you're you extend your life a few more weeks and you realize oh wait this guy's really good yeah and then then the off season happens and the lists start coming out and you're like oh wait i should do that not that burns wasn't obvious towards the end of the season but Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right and that's and that's why yeah so i think that's interesting in kind of buying things uh for guys but so there's you can't 
you can't really criticize Halski on any of his deals, can you? No, I, so I'll say that, you know, Halski, I think, made some of the best deals. I think that, again, I would say he got bailed out in some cases or maybe people didn't shop around. Like, I probably would offer more for Stroman. Maybe I couldn't even roster Stroman at this point. I think at that point, a lot of people had spent stuff that it was kind of, you know. But like, that, that came out of the blue. And, like, Bill never reached out. Uh, Evan's always good about reaching out. I do appreciate that about him. I love that. He's my favorite guy to trade with. Yeah, I, it's well, so obviously easy. you trade back and forth with him, the same player. No, no, so. but I mean, like, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. Like I rip him off running. Like he probably got more out of me out of the last couple of deals, but it's like, it's, it, there's no bullshit. He's an easy guy to, you know, you don't get, it's easy, simple. You, you don't got to play around and balk back and forth and do the stupid, you know, you know, bartering position back and forth. Yeah. Like, like duty, it takes weeks to do a deal. Because you don't have to you use have emojis. To, yeah yeah like evan it's like i can be very honest about him like hey this is what i think the guy's worth you know like you know i don't know it's he tells me what he thinks the guy's worth and we figure out if we could do a deal or not it's nice so yeah i'll say that Housky's deals are all seem really good for him uh i'll say that i don't think Housky's team is as good as he thinks it was until these deals but now i think he's he's a player his offense has been really hot i'll say that and in the pitching will help yeah him adding pitching was big he threw one quality start last week against me. Like it's not, God. it's not great. Uh, but yeah, he hit 20 home runs. He hit 11 home runs on Saturday and Sunday. It's just like, that what is, can, yeah, what can you nuts. do? Um, yeah. Yeah. He went off. But yeah, I think, I think he's definitely on that, that tier. He might, even, I don't know. He might even be in the second tier after these. I trades. mean, the, the thing is that's scary about Housky and the same thing that I said, like my guys graduated. Like, I mean, Ozzy Albies might be graduating right now. Yeah, certainly. To that. I mean, I mean he's got, He's Sergio got Bogarts, 15, 15 home runs, 13 steals in the year. And like, I mean, I could see him hitting a lot higher than 262. Right. Oh yeah. That he's at. I mean, like I mean, Brandon Lowe's finally heating up too for him. Uh, and Vaughn, Vaughn kind of coming up. I mean, I know Vaughn wasn't so great to start the year. I know recently he's been good. Uh, I mean, housekeeping has got an offense and he's got, he's got the heavy guys to carry him. And he just added on Turner, who I think is like, you know, kind of the tier below those, those elite offensive players, just, just cause like I said, the volume may not totally be there and playing seven days a week or, and all, or, you know, not going to hit a crazy amount of home runs, but just solid production across the board. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's his, and yeah, he made his pitching better. The question is though, it's like, you know, Nola, I feel like has been a little disappointing this year. And so is Giolito, uh, right. him adding, him adding, uh, um, Lopez, Lopez and Stroman and, and Stroman are uh, are a nice ad for him. Yeah, I mean, if Stroman's like your fifth or sixth best starter, you're in a pretty solid spot. He's one of those innings and you know quality start guys. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so yeah, House is a good position. I I uh, I think he of anybody else is like you said, has kind of improved himself the most and has probably solidified himself as a playoff team. I'd say at least probability wise. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now he's. He certainly he's in sixth place and he's many games behind you. Uh, like there's that gap, certainly. So he's got yeah. to make up, he's got to make up some, uh, some ground. Like he's cost himself games in the first three months of the season. If he had made some of these trades earlier, he, he may have, you know, been able to make this impact. I know, so he ended up getting the best value I thought. And it's like, I know he had tried to make a lot of deals that fell through. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I know he was bidding on paddock. I know there was a couple others that he was bidding on too, that he lost out on. And so he finally was able to close deals this, uh, this past weekend. 
Yeah, he's he's one game ahead of Ben, two games ahead of Duty. So that's a that's a tight race, um, and we'll see how it plays out. And then someone else is going to be a seller, maybe, or maybe they run it right to the wire. Maybe at trade deadline, everyone's still a few games out, and no one's going to blink. And you know, someone. Yeah, and I could see there being there. multiple slots. I I could see one of us. I mean, like I said, long way to go. I could see one of us from RT tier kind of falling into that where it becomes four teams going for two spots um and i don't believe in ricky's team all that much yeah and i and i don't then like you said i don't particularly love his moves that he's made because it's like i don't know when strasburg's gonna gonna contribute for him we don't know when snell's gonna get right or if he's gonna get it right right the rest of the year you know you look look at yeah it's just it's it's definitely tough yeah all right so uh if you want to separate this into two, I think this is probably a good stopping point. We'll have Halski on uh, either with you duo tomorrow, or if I can get away, uh, I'll be on as well, just to keep him straight, make sure he doesn't say anything. You know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep you updated on when we get on. Uh, I definitely want to spend time talking about, I've been wanting to talk about Speed's team for a while, so I want to leave kind of its own like good time to talk about that. I, I think it's interesting with him of like, him second year being really good. And then, you know, he, he now like, he's obviously been going all in and I know he's going to spend more picks for guys right now. And it's like, he's at the point where it's just like his keeper set is so damn good that it just like, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, we can talk about his trades tomorrow night, but like, I don't think his trades are the best. I think of all the competing teams, some of his trades, he's, he's not getting great value. Um, yeah no i agree but i think like i I think he's gonna probably spend even more picks and i think it's just you think like one picks one through eight are just gone are gonna be yeah i could see him not having a pick in the first seven rounds next year yeah i mean if if he wins a championship and puts his name on the trophy there's only five or six of us that have ever won it like it's unfortunately unfortunately he's got a pitcher that you know kind of um right can't well can't keep his kink in control jesus yeah and that's another fact between Tatis's injury uh, probability and, and Bauer. Yeah. So we can talk all that next time, but that's a good tease for next episode. All uh, right. Sounds good. All right, man. Have a great night. Uh, see you.